John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Hi, this is Steve. Those of you who listen to the show know how much I love to get behind the scenes and find out exactly how our favorite films got made. Why did the filmmaker choose that camera position or lens? How long did the actors have to train for that fight scene? Or how did they create that incredible special effect? As a filmmaker, I find that stuff endlessly fascinating. But for me, the thing I enjoy most about doing the cinephiles is not the information, it's the conversation, and I think our conversations about Black Panther with Jay Washington and Winston A. Marshall were some of the most fun, insightful, and challenging we've ever had on the show. Now, I already thought Black Panther was a really good movie, but their analysis and perspective elevated that film in my mind to a much higher level, and that perhaps is one of the most remarkable things about great films. You see, it's not just the experience they give us when we watch them. It's the way they live on with us and how they change, grow, and become deeper and more profound as time goes on. They can change the way we look at the world and even inspire us. In fact, this film and its star, Chadwick Boseman, were so inspiring that we are raising money for the National Children's Cancer Society in his honor at theNCCS.org slash Black Panther. That's T-H-E-N-C-C-S dot org slash Black Panther. Now, a child with cancer is among the most difficult challenges a family can face. It's not just the medical side, which is challenging enough. It's travel expenses and mental health. Many families face financial ruin, and all of them deal with the emotional consequences of the disease long after the cancer goes into remission. The NCCS is dedicated to supporting those families with travel expenses, caregivers, counseling, and even scholarships. So far, we've raised an incredible $1,495. That's almost halfway to our goal of $3,000 when that matching grant comes in. In fact, our generous donor has agreed to extend their commitment all the way up to ten grand. That means the Cinephiles has an opportunity to raise $20,000 to help kids with cancer and their families. So go to theNCCS.org slash Black Panther right now to donate. And if you haven't seen this incredible film, you should probably take a deep dive into our website, cinephiles.net, where you can buy or stream Black Panther along with every other movie we've ever reviewed. And if you happen to support the show on patreon.com slash thecinephiles, 
Right now, you could be listening to John and I discuss movies about Hollywood. So that's Movies About Hollywood on Patreon, our fundraiser for the National Children's Cancer Society at thenccs.org slash Black Panther, and the conclusion of our incredible discussion on Black Panther with Winston A. Marshall and Jay Washington this Friday on The Cinephiles. Hi, everyone. Just jumping in before the show to remind you that The Cinephiles is raising money for the National Children's Cancer Society in honor of the great Chadwick Boseman, who we lost so tragically just six weeks ago. So far, we've raised almost $2,000. However, we have to reach 3000 to qualify for that matching grant. So please go to thenccs.org slash Black Panther to donate. That's T-H-E-N-C-C-S dot org slash Black Panther. All major credit cards and PayPal are accepted, and remember, every dollar counts. Okay, now, off to Wakanda for the conclusion of our deep dive into Black Panther with special guests Winston A. Marshall and Jay Washington. You were wrong to abandon him. I chose my people. I chose Wakanda. Our future depended on... You were wrong! All of you are wrong! to turn your backs on the rest of the world. We let the fear of our discovery stop us from doing what is right. No more. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where we continue our exploration of Black Panther with special guests Jay Washington and Winston A. Marshall. When we left Wakanda, Eric Killmonger had just defeated T'Challa to become king. And now it's night, and Nakia and Okoye hug. The Queen Mother and Shuri, they are safe, yes. Of course, this is. We should get to them immediately. And then Nakia's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to them. This scene is so great. I scene's amazing. She doesn't go. She says, I have a duty to whoever sits on that throne. We cannot turn over our nation to a man who showed up here only hours ago. He is of royal blood. He killed T'Challa. In ritual combat. Does that really matter? This is such a great... It's that the film works again. Not just on emotional level, superhero level, whatever. Bad versus good, all that kind of stuff. The emotional uh, relationship. This is also a political movie. And in this moment, you see she is the military. And she is subject to the whims of whoever's in charge of the country because she has sworn a duty and an oath to serve, in essence, the commander-in-chief yeah. of oh, yeah. the country. You are the greatest warrior Wakanda has. Help me overthrow him before he becomes too strong. Overthrow? I'm not a spy who can come and go as they so choose. She's a spy. She's a, a secret agent. She does So she's not necessarily loyal to the country fully. She's loyal to what's best for the country overall. Right. So there's two different warring political philosophies because they are two different roles that they are serving as and both are essential for the survival of that country. So it's it's so interesting to see that exchange between them. I am loyal to that throne, no matter who sits upon it. What are you loyal to? There's also one very, very important thing about this scene that I love and I noticed immediately. You have a moment like this where two women in power mm. argue about a position of where they should stand. Mm. In any other film, 
this would have ended up with the two of them fighting somehow, some way, whether it be a small fight, a long fight, or whatever. It was the directorial choice and the best choice to make it where these two women go amicably their separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. There was not a, there was not a blow thrown. The the ver- the blows that were thrown were verbal, right. but they weren't even thrown to hurt. They were thrown as like this is the 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 intensity of the moment. Yeah. But in any other movie you see in this situation, those women would have fought. And well, for the fact that they did not have to move at all in a violent manner towards each other, that was one of the proudest moments in this movie for me. Yeah. Because again, you see it so much. It's like they didn't have to have them fight at all. They just go their separate ways. I loved him. I loved my country too. Then you save your country. No, I save my country. I totally agree. And this is the, you know, this is that West Wing thing of like, we have strong characters Mm. with strong beliefs who articulate their beliefs clearly. And then we sit with that. And and you also think about like the Bechdel test or whatever. It's like, how many times have we seen two women in this kind of situation happen in a film? It's an amazing scene. And I had to comment on one other sentence is Nakia says, you are the greatest warrior Wakanda has. And it's, it has a lot more resonance for me now since Chadwick Boseman's passing, but it's like, I wonder if, uh, if a Koye had challenged T'Challa, who would have won? It oh. sounds, it sounds like, cause that's a good question. It sounds like T'Challa probably still would have won. But okay. because uh, they're under the auspice now that T'Challa's dead. Right. Right. But but Killmonger's alive. Well, because you're saying because T'Challa lost to Killmonger. I understand. I understand what you're saying. But I mean, if you look at it, then later on in the movie, remember, T'Challa does get the best of him. Um, Okoye does go one on one with them and loses. So it maybe, it, you know, so I think I think that Okoye so- goes one on one with him and with the herb and abilities. I, and I, I, understand, I understand that. I still, like, I think to that point, I mean, it's very possible that Okoye is is a, a stronger warrior than him. I mean, consider, you know what? I'm actually going to go back and say that I'm going to, I have, in the middle of my argument, I have good sides. <laughs> because, because, it happens to because, all of us, bro. Because, because <laughs> I, I realize if you then go take evidence from later on, so let's look at, say, like one, you could take her, the car exploding and her yeah. grabbing. Mm. But two, if you go and look at Infinity War and Endgame, she's doing, she is wrecking shop. Yeah. Like you said, does not have those powers. She just has her weapons, and T'Challa does. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, I, I walk my, I walk back my statement. Uh, yeah. He was like in the middle of argument, but I'm about to take the other <laughs> By the way, that is a sign. That is a sign of honor. I believe yes. to to be mid argument and switch sides. I was just gonna say. I mean, I I appreciate that, and that's a that's something that I've always tried to say about stuff in general. You got to keep the same energy. So if I came at it as, as passionate about one thing and I realized that I'm wrong, I feel like it is, like you said, a sign of honor. Uh, I would have. It's mature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My dad always told me a real man could admit when he's wrong. Of course. Um, and, and that to me is more important than anything is to, to maintain the same way you went in is the way you need to go out, whether or not your stance changes. Okay. I got it. So you just, you just became T'Challa. Because and the uh, reason I because what's this movie about? 
Shit. Like, yeah. what's this? This movie is about <laughs> I mean, Wakanda admitting Jay, they're wrong. Jay, you're yep. a killmonger now. You're definitely a killmonger. I mean, he Sorry, calls bro. himself the he calls himself the resident supervillain. So <laughs> it, it checks out. Fair. <laughs> Checks out, yeah, I guess so. Bro, I mean, I mean, it, uh, we've also we've also gone with the idea that you're the one that's the be up in the gym lifted all the time. You're the one with all the the crazy physique and shit. So this checks out. I mean, it does. I mean, it does. <laughs> I'm sitting in the corner recording this. Okay, I just want you to know. Nobody puts Killmonger in the corner. Uh, uh, we grab Ross, and now we're gonna intercut between. Uh, between Eric at the City of the Dead, where he's going to take the heart-shaped herb, and the women and Ross who are escaping. And I, by the way, I have to take a moment for Angela Bassett's hair when we finally see it, because it is amazing. Um, oh, my God. The, the, uh, the white, white braids. Oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. That's amazing. Who is Okoye? Okoye is not coming. She and the Dora Milaje will save the new king. And you get Ramonda. Ramonda who is Angela Bass's character, who understand, they both understand immediately because they understand the culture. Well, yeah. it's it, honestly, the, remember, the Dora Milaje are the Secret Service, bro. The Secret Service serves whoever is in power and, and as long as they are doing what they're supposed to do, that's that they serve country above everything else. I, I respect it, man. You got You literally are doing your Me duty. Too. Me too. Um, and now we have this parallel scene where where uh, Eric takes the heart-shaped herb and he's going to flash back to his father. And, and the way they put this sequence together is, is amazing because we see the child find the dead dad and, and we're back in this room in Oakland that's now glowing purple. And, and one of the things that Brian Coogler said is that the afterlife in, for T'Challa has no walls. Mm. And for Eric Killmonger and his family, the afterlife is surrounded by walls. It's trapped. And this is where I just go, man, even small choices have their reasons, directorial reasons. And he touches this, this secret compartment and he finds this book that has both African writing and English writing. He finds the necklace with the ring. What did I tell you about going into my things? One thing I think, by the way, is I think his dad told him the stories of Wakanda, which we hear at the beginning of the film. But I don't think he believed him until this moment that he found the book and the evidence behind the wall after his death. That's my opinion. I mean, it, it makes sense. Again, he, he saw the lights in the ship. That was his, that started his belief. Yeah. You know, when he sees the ship that leaves, because again, Wakanda's this beautiful nation. It's advanced. They have spaceships and blah, 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 blah. I saw a spaceship. Oh, shit. I know what that was. My daddy's dead, and it looks like claw marks in his chest. Let me find my daddy. I found my daddy's book that I was never supposed to touch. Oh, shit. All of this he's ever said is real yeah well and imagine you're a kid you know you're 10 years old in 1992 living in oakland and your dad's going hey by the way really you're i'm a prince and you're a prince and we're from this magical country that nobody believes exists where they have all these you know crazy technology and stuff it's like yeah sure dad you know <laughs> and then i love the way they cut back and forth with dad and sometimes it's the kid and sometimes it's michael b jordan well, also, that's just Sterling K. Brown's uh, schedule. Because oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> we know that's, that's the only reason, because I would have loved to, we would have loved to seen him and Michael B. Jordan in the room together. Mm. And so you know that was scheduling where Sterling K. Brown's This Is Us schedule more than likely took over, and he had to just knock out all his scenes. 
Well, if that's the case, then that's making uh, gold out of an editorial problem because mm-hmm. they made it a positive. Oh, yeah, because- absolutely. But you can tell us, you know, that's not I, I'm like 99 percent. Again, I'm not a director. I'm more of an actor. I'm an actor, but I'm 99 percent sure that's the reason you got that, because Sterling K. Remember, you really you see him in the beginning because, of course, we need that story set up. But then to see the transfer, you know, one side is Michael B. Jordan or the kid, then it's Sterling K. Brown. That's scheduling. That's we couldn't have them together even though we wanted them there. No tears for me. And the kid says, "Everybody dies." We cut back to dad, and then we cut back to Michael B. Jordan, now the adult who is crying. Yeah. I think that's a great directorial choice. So this this is this is the uh, first of two moments that I started to cry. You know, I choked up a little at seeing Wakanda, but didn't go there. This is the first moment that made me cry. Yeah, because you can see the love that Sterling K. Brown has for For both both of them. I mean, I like my dad and I have since like, since adulthood, like we have a good relationship, but Mm. there I had, my parents got divorced. He, it was, I'm not going to get fully into it, but like there was this rocky kind of back and forth. And so that moment, of that love for your father and that wanting of your father, but it doesn't always play out that way and whatnot. And, and seeing that, uh, it just kind of hit me right in the, you know, so. Yeah. I hear you, man. Well, my dad passed when I was four and a half, so Mm. I never got to have those real discussions and it made me long for that still. Mm. I I, I don't know quite how to say what I'm about to say, but, John and I have done a bunch of sports-ish movies lately, including Field of Dreams. Mm. And that's a movie that all fathers and sons hits. Mm. And, and you know, we said before that, you know, Marvel superheroes have a lot of daddy issues. And I think that there's a reason, man. And, you know, mostly written for boys. And all of us, you know, have those... I won't say all of us, many of us have those unresolved issues with our dads, you know? So when, when we see Thor and Odin or we see whatever, you know, father son relationship or the absence of a father, like uh, Peter Parker, like those resonate with us, you know, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby weren't dumb when they set all this stuff up, yeah. you know, cause that shit works on us. Mm-hmm. Man. All I know is, is that it happened back in like 2012 and now I, I can't stop randomly crying at this kind of stuff, yeah. but I was watching Hercules and the, the Disney's Hercules and that whole oh, like, yeah. the quest to get back to Olympus. Oh. And then he finally, she saves Meg and he gets them out Olympus and Zeus is like, you did it, son. Yeah. Welcome home. And I was like, yo, Yo, he got home to his dad, though. He, <laughs> and then I watched Mulan like a week later. And, you know, the emperor gives, you know, the sword and like the seal of the emperor. And she's like, I brought it for you. And she's like, he throws it to the side. He goes, the only, the greatest honor is having you for daughter. It's like, yo, the greatest honor is having her for a daughter. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you just almost made me. So we just right learned there. that this motherfucker's emotional. <laughs> I this just, is just bro, emotional. every one of these movies, as soon as they hit me with the, the dad is just proud. I'm like, yo, you just like, come on, man. Like, ah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it, it makes me worry about how I what what I'm fucking up my kid with that he's gonna have these reactions. Oh. It's all of it. Yes. So when it comes time for another king, we will be ready. Another king. And this is the moment you were talking about before. Yeah, go ahead and burn all that. My king, we cannot do that. It is our tradition. <laughs> 
When I tell you to do something, I mean that shit. I mean, grabbed a dead ass by the throat. We were like, I ain't fail. Why? I know, right? She came to work that day. She just was going to tend the herbs. You know what I'm saying? She just heard it was a new king. <laughs> herbs. She's going to tend the herbs. She heard it was a new king. She's like, okay, we got to uh, get this herb ready for him. Didn't we just and have a new like, king? Shit. <laughs> didn't we just have a king? Didn't I just do this shit? Like, ugh. But I nails. Is- I had to make another manicure appointment. <laughs> expecting all that. You know what I'm saying? And kill. Then here come Killmonger. He's like, just grab by the throat. She's like, oh, look here, Earl. And she had flashbacks <laughs> of a boyfriend named Earl in Wakanda. Oh, because <laughs> Earl had died, man. Come Earl, on. Earl had died. Earl was Earl Hotep too. <laughs> he must have been. He must have been. See, you out there all day tending to everybody else's garden, but where is the garden that you take care of in our house? <laughs> they all get herbs. I want herbs. And herbs on this table. Right. You, you know, you know, herbs. Look, you are my queen, right? And I told you that I am a king. So why is it that you can't make me a king and bring me home some heart shaped herb? I could be a black panther. <laughs> I don't understand. You, say, you don't believe in me? You can't just snatch a herb up and put it in your pocket? I can't be the panther, what you saying? You don't... Coming soon to Disney Plus, Earl of Wakanda. <laughs> um, but Nakia steals a heart shape. <laughs> steals one of the heart shape herb. And of course, what's so funny about movies is we know Black Panther can't be dead. You know, because we know what movie we're watching. We see her steal the herb. Like, we know what's going to happen, and yet it's all totally satisfying. And we cut to, again, we're going to cut back now for the third time to our council meeting. And this time we start upside down, which I think is an amazing choice. I, was I love that uh, shot. I brilliant. love that Because everything's upside down. So it's brilliant The whole choice. world is upside down. Yep. And even the way he sits in the throne is yeah. interesting and how he dresses himself he's he's still got his chest all exposed and shit just like yeah i wore your garbs so i'm gonna wear however i want like sir, what sir, huh sir, huh sir. yes yes if you're michael b jordan with that chest you're no no i don't disagree but you're I'm saying, gonna show but, I, but i'm saying but i'm saying in the same you way you see all these chesticles at the throat no, no 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 i know but in the same way that you still lambast uh, <laughs> uh that i saw him, i was talking about oh, my God, stars. oh my lord uh, <laughs> the, way, the way that they lambasted like uh alan iverson remember that because yeah, he was yeah. the one that came out starting like wearing like sh- like streetwear and all that. They're like, okay, new rule. You have to wear like you know suits and ties. Yeah, <laughs> but like he's essentially the Allen Iverson in this regard of Wakanda to come in here and be like, I'm gonna do my thing. Y'all just gonna have to deal with it. I'm the baddest on the planet, so say something about it. You know, so <laughs> I'm one of the best dressed, most best looking motherfuckers in the planet. Of Wakanda, hold my drink, of all time. One of the best ruling motherfuckers in Wakanda. I wish I had. Two more heads so I can give that full claws down, motherfucker. Full claws down. <laughs> so, what's interesting Burn all this is- shit, bitch. Burn all our herbs. Let's keep me one over for myself. Let Steve talk. <laughs> what's interesting to me about his character is for most people thrown into this completely different world and being king and coming back to the homeland that they had lost, and all, they would have an emotional reaction. They would take adjustment, and he does not. He is 100% in control. 100% knows exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. It's a really, really good character. Yeah. And he lays it out. We're going to send vibranium weapons out to our war dogs. They'll arm oppressed people all over the world so they can finally rise up and kill those in power and their children and anyone else who takes their side. It's time they know the truth about us. 
We're warriors. The world's going to start over, and this time we're on top. Beautifully done when coupled with that upside-down shot. We are literally taking everything that you know and love, and we are flipping it. You know, what, what, did, what did Missy Elliott say? I'm going to put my game down, flip it, and reverse it? Like, mm-hmm. you want to talk about start to finish of a scene, laying out what the, the thematic is to start with and just literally cause that ro- – oh, man, beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. The, one of the most important cuts in the scene is the cut to Wakabi. Yeah. Because you can see he is in. Wakanda has survived for so long by fighting when only absolutely necessary. Wakanda survived in the past this way, yes. But the world is changing, General. And soon, it will be the conquerors or the conquered. I'd rather be the former. This is the woman that he loves that he's saying this to. That's kind of amazing. He's turning for Hotep. You hang out with the Hotep, you turn into a Hotep. <laughs> wow, that's fair. <laughs> this is Absolutely fair. This is true. Hoteps rub off like Egyptian muff. And so, <laughs> oh my. If you've ever, oh ever been around a whole tap as an Egyptian bus, you'd be like, why the fuck do I smell like oppression? And so, Wakabi <laughs> is like, because <laughs> Wakabi's always been about, let's take the fight to people in so many words. He's been about it. Again, I want to kill Claw. We need to remember if you say, he tells T'Challa earlier, if you said for me to take me and my man and we go out and do this, I'd do it for you. So Killmonger is on that, and Wakabi's like, yes, thank you. I've been wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's go see the Jabari. Yeah. Yeah, man. And as we're heading up into the mountains, uh, Angela Bassett says, Nikia, here, you take the herb. I am a spy with no army. I wouldn't stand a chance. Ryan Coogler said the inspiration for Nikia is Harriet Tubman. Wow. Starts off as a person bringing people to freedom, ends up as a spy. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Wow. And then we hear the chanting. And here are the Jabari. I I love the look. The whole look of this palace or whatever we would call it is so cool. Again, we talked about the way Michael B. Jordan sits on the throne. Man, M'Baku on his throne. I love it. (laughs) He's He's my favorite character in the movie, man. I love M'Baku to pieces. So did you all know that this was the very first scene that Winston A. Duke actually shot? Wow. Winston A. Duke. Winston Duke. God damn it, Marshall. (laughs) Why is that my fault, bitch? Why is that my fault? (laughs) Well, anyway, but this is the actual first scene. So, you know, we all know they don't shoot movies or TV shows in order. This was the first scene he shot. So he was already trying to get himself molded into M'Baku mm. at this moment. So that's impressive. Yeah, so when we see at this moment, the bark he does at Ross, I don't know if y'all heard, that wasn't in the script. That's why Martin Freeman's face, when he starts barking and he's reading the line, and Martin Freeman's like, the, the, the fuck is going? Because like, the you will no longer, you will not speak is the line, but the barking is what caught him off guard. And so the natural reaction that Ross has is what Kugler kept was like, what the fuck is going well, on? Here, so here's a question I had, because I had heard that this was improv too. But what I don't know is I'm kidding. We are vegetarians. Is that improv or is that in the script? It's a, mm. I think it's, it might be in the script because gorillas are vegetarians. Mm. If you speak, if you speak one more time, we will feed you to our children. 
And then the most terrified look ever on Eric mm-hmm. Ross's <laughs> Like, when she ain't looked that scared throughout the entire movie until he gets old, you be fed to my children. He's like, oh. Well, and the funny thing about that, too, is then you look at that when we do get to uh, uh, the Jabari fighting, like, there are young kids and there are women that are out there fighting and they are fucking up regular Wakandans. Man! Oh, like, yeah. you ever, did, did you, at one point, you even, because you see one woman beat the shit out of somebody and be like, ah, and you're like, just a woman. Uh, oh. Maybe they do eat people. <laughs> I don't know, bro. Like, they are fucking people. <laughs> well, because I was under impressed that Jabari warriors were all the men until you see that one woman in that final fight we're like god damn but the, when you're going back to that scene Ross is like because again Ross is now learning like we talked about earlier he's learning more about the world of Wakanda right and he is a guy again he's representative you know of me mostly is that he walks around with that American American arrogance that American white guy arrogance that I can go anywhere in the world and everyone's going to treat me as a privileged person. And now he is realizing that that is not the case. Right. Both he, in the way he wakes up in the lab and what happens in the Jabari. Yeah, you make a great point, Steve. And he walks into someone else's kingdom and someone else's territory of that kingdom and thinks he can speak directly to the king uh, and, ha- and you know, have his voice heard randomly because you know he's done all this stuff in america and i love the way they that mbaku shuts him down not even with a he doesn't even have a debate about it it goes back to a primal level <laughs> of just doing those sounds until he shuts up and it's perfect and then making it would have made that scene better and then fucks with them and says we're all vegetarians anyway <laughs> so yeah one thing would have made that scene better Showing Ross pissing on himself at that moment. Because <laughs> let's be real. Oh, he was pissing himself. You, I'm oh, yeah. beat you to totally. my children. <laughs> um, one more important thing in this scene is as we're begging M'Baku, because what this is really about is it begging him to take the heart-shaped herb to go fight Killmonger. But the queen says, My son was married in a ritual combat. Or the odds fair. Yes. So but... it was less a murder than a defeat. Do not rub our noses in Silence. It. It's the same thing we heard from Okoye, really. Right. And it's really important. And then and then Shuri and Angela Bassett and Nakia, they all kneel down to this guy to beg him to do it. And he goes, come with me. And he takes them to where T'Challa, buried in the snow, is lying wounded. Uh, and set, and basically says, no, here he is. You can give him the heart shaper. Mm. Kevin Feige says that this is the most honorable thing any character in the Marvel Universe has ever done. I think that's an interesting statement. Which, which, which part? I'm so sorry. When M'Baku could have been... That T'Challa's alive in the snow. He turns... He wanted to be the king. He wanted to right. have the Black Panther part. I would, I would make an argument. This is wild. Y'all may think I'm out my mind that there is a fourth person worthy of Mjolnir, and it's M'Baku. Probably. Yeah. I'd be cool with that. So no you, with that. You had Thor, you had uh, Vision, and you had Captain America. I think this might be the fourth. Yeah, I, my, I, I put T'Challa that. in there. I was going to say that later on, but I think T'Challa might be worthy. He not, would not by not he I, would by the end of this film, but not yep. before. Because remember that same T'Challa is predicated. He just got over his revenge kick with yeah. Bucky. Yeah, true. So true. he's he's not worthy yet, but Mbaku would have been hella worthy. That that and that and I even make the argument, ironically, that I think that Captain America, even with the goodness in his heart and all that kind of stuff, 
I think part of that worthiness is a level of like kind of like random like blindness and all that kind of stuff. I think Cap had a lot he needed to sort out himself, but we talked about him in America and how he needed to come to terms with, oh, wow, there, there's actually kind of some evil here. So for him to be truly worthy and like really about that justice trip, I think the same is true with T'Challa. I think T'Challa needed to come to terms with the demons of the king's past yeah. and Wakanda's mm. thing. So I think by the end of the movie, he's definitely worthy of it. But maybe at the beginning. Well, and that's where we're going to go right now because he, they give him the herb and we're back in the afterlife. Mm. And now the whole tone is different. Now he's confronting his father. Why, Mama? Why didn't you bring the boy home? He, he was the truth I chose to omit. Yeah. That is a great line. It's an amazing line. Yeah. I mean, he, you could have said so many other things, but just that simplistic line, damn. You were wrong to abandon him. I chose my people. I chose Wakanda. And I think this is important because what, what Killmonger and Nakia, the two of them, are going to make the Chala see is what does it mean to be my people? Mm. Nakia looks out and she sees these women outside of Wakanda. She sees those as people. And Eric Killmonger says, there are billions of our people that are out in the world that you have abandoned. And T'Challa's vision is going to change from what T'Chaka's was. Our future depends on... You are wrong! All of you are wrong! You are wrong! All of you are wrong. And, and T'Chaka's like, oh, well, man, because you're dead now, so you're going to join us, and so don't worry about it. I cannot rest. But he sits on the throne. He's a monster of our own making. I must take the mantle back. I must. I must right these wrongs. Uh, it's funny. My note in my notes here is compare Black Panther and Captain America. That was my note here. <laughs> it's smart because there's never been a, there's never been anybody who's taken the mantle of Captain America. There's never been anybody who's taken that place as what Steve Rogers is. Because again, once we discovered that Captain America was real after the Avengers, there's never been anybody who's been America's guy. You know, mm-hmm. where Black Panther for him, it's the mantle is just about the best person of Wakanda. Wakanda, 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 Wakanda. His father is all about Wakanda. But then again, he's been listening to Nakia. He's listened to, you know, all these different people. He hears Killmonger. And after seeing and knowing who he is, it's like, there's more to this world. Hmm. So it's it's hard to compare the two. I I think there's a pretty good argument that Black Panther is to Wakanda as Captain America is to America. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, I would say Black Panther is more unified with Wakanda and the spirit Mm -hmm. of Wakanda, Mm -hmm. whereas Captain America is frequently more at odds. Yeah. You know, and well, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like you said, you're also going with the idea that Black Panther is not just a representation of Wakanda. He is Wakanda. He's the leader of the country versus Captain America is an agent of the country. And you, as we saw, S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA are both pulling on that in different directions. So sometimes he was doing missions for HYDRA. Sometimes he was doing them for S.H.I.E.L.D. until he found out what was going on, you know. so yeah. Well, and, and part of the difference is that is that America 
both in reality and in the comics, is a flawed place. Whereas Wakanda is very much presented as a, as a perfect idealized place. And I was hesitant about whether or not I was going to bring this up, but maybe this <laughs> is a good time to bring up the Zamunda connection. It's like mm. Wakanda and Zamunda are really weirdly similar. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't realize that John had already thought about it, but we did Coming to America like a year ago. And I was like, wait a minute, this is Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Totally the same. Oh my God. The James Earl Jones King was the King original T'Chaka. He's yeah. T'Chaka. Of course he is. Yeah. King Jacob Del Fur is T'Chaka. And right. Akeem is T'Challa. Yeah. It, it, it to totally extent, is. Simi is Simi is Wakabi. Yeah. Because think about it. Simi mm-hmm. wants to do more different shit and like, yo, let's go out here. And Wakabi's like, yo, let's do stuff. Bro, and he, the girl he goes, if I can't remember the character's name all of a sudden, but the girl he goes and finds, bro, that's yeah, Storm. He goes, he goes, he goes and grabs Could be. Storm, Could be. Storm, yeah. yeah. Well, and like Lisa just the idea. Storm. Lisa, there it is. Lisa. Yeah. Lisa. Lisa. Th- th- this, this is the most uh, advanced, wealthy, uh, cultured, intellectual country in the world that nobody's ever heard of. So who are the people in the barbershop? Is that the council? Was that the council? <laughs> no, no, they're American, remember? So that oh, would, that's right. That's right. That would be the kids of the basketball court. <laughs> no, it's, a Bug- it's a Bugatti spaceship. <laughs> that's the people on the basketball court. Uh, uh, Cleo McDowell. That's what I was just going to say. Who is McDowell? Uh, <laughs> McDowell's got to be in Jobu, right? Tony Stark, maybe? Yeah, is he in Jobu? Avengers. Isn't he in Jobu, John Amos? I mean, he could be James Earl Jones' brother. That could work. I could see that. I was just going to say that because because of the money and the arrogance of like, I don't know who you are or whatever, I felt that yeah. that was Tony Stark. And then wise enough to be like, oh, shit, okay, you got you got that real Skrilla. Like, <laughs> and, oh, let me... Uh, and you ain't ever met no T'Challa the King. Wait a minute. You ain't met no T'Challa the King. What you think? T'Challa said, right? He got his hair cut. Um, 137 years old. What? He, he knocked me down. Is that it in America? I'm gonna call him Eric. <laughs> That's it. That's it. it. I'm calling Eric. <laughs> okay. We got Tammy Bowles for the barbershop. Just make it nice and neat. <laughs> Just make it nice and neat. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and then Freeman, Martin Freeman, Agent Ross is the Jewish guy in the barbers. Uh-huh. Oh my God, Nick Fury was running reconnaissance in that McDowell's the whole time. Yes. <laughs> That's it, winner. <laughs> Killmonger has the full support of our military, and he banned the Garden of the Heart-Shaped Egg. Well, of course he did. That's what he was trained to do. His unit used to work with the CIA to destabilize foreign countries. They would always strike the transitions of power, like an election year or the death of a monarch. You got control of government, the military. And it's just, it's a weird one because it's like, yeah, that's exactly what the U.S. has done all over the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steal the resources and and hurt the power of third world or developing nations all over the country. I mean, yep. all over the world. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Can't have our power threatened now. We can't have our power threatened. Yeah. The Black Panther lives. And when he fights for the fate of Wakanda, I will be right there beside him. As we lie. I'm in too. What? You're going to need all the help you can get. And then Mbaku yawns. Are you done? Are you done?
Are, are you are you are you done? <laughs> you um, done? And T'Challa talks to him alone. Please allow my mother to stay here. No one will come to her. I give you my word. You know I could use an army as well. I bet you could. <laughs> but no. You are the first king that has visited here in centuries. That's wow. kind of amazing. I mean, it's kind of a thing when you, again, you go back to the beginning and you hear the, how the formation of Wakanda came to be and the Jabari chose to separate themselves. And so it's kind of like you're under the thumb of Wakanda, but you're not under the thumb of Wakanda. And if you're the king, you're like, well, they don't really want to mess with us. So why would we mess with them? Well, and I think it makes M'Baku an even more interesting character because I don't think the Jabari have come down to challenge in centuries. I think he, as a leader, is unique and decided, like, no, no, things have to change. And that is when he went down to challenge. And even in this moment, in the decision to let T'Challa have the heart-shaped herb, and then he's having to decide, well, do I completely align myself with them or not? And right now he's saying no, and T'Challa says, look. We both know the power of Vibranium. If Killmonger gains control of it, who do you think he will come for next? By the way, they were totally running out of time when they shot this scene. Uh, Winston Duke, not Winston A. Duke, only got two takes. Ooh, wow. Two takes on this. Wow, that's impressive. We're loading up some weapons. Everything is on schedule. Have the spies been alerted? Yes. Some resistance to our new mission, but the war dogs in London, New York, and Hong Kong are standing by. We'll strike there first. Man, they put this plan into place fast. But remember, he had it already. He had yeah. that plan from jump. Well, and Wakabi is, what did Wakabi say to T'Challa earlier? Let me go out and fight. So he was ready to go too. Real quick, you got to pay attention to also the other Easter egg that dropped in that moment where they sent the ships. I don't know. New York, Hong Kong, and London. What are in the MCU in New York, Hong Kong, and London? The Sorcerer Supreme, the 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 Sanctum Sanctum Sanctorums. Never, ever would have caught that in a million years. Sanctum Sanctorums. Which wow. again, that's that's Eric, bro. He's he has done all of his research and he knows that really the only thing that's probably the immediate threat is, is probably magic. the miss is the mystical world, man. Yep. Is that magic. that like you gotta get wow. rid of strange, strange and his ilk, and then once that's taken care of, if you could get like that's the thing, if you could control he's almost going Doctor Doom with it, which is terrifying. If you take the most advanced technology technology in the world and then you go take over all of the mysticism in the world, you're literally unstoppable. And we're sending out some weapons in a ship and there is an explosion. And there's Black Panther and his face appears in Okoye, her reaction. He leaves. What's up? I never yielded! And as you can see, I am not dead! I am not dead! <laughs> and what does Killmonger hey, say? All that challenge all that, shit. All that challenge shit is done. All that challenge shit is Bro, done. Bro, the, the hand wave, the, the waving that off, that, that is the most, that is the most black, like the most like African-American black shit. Like, nah, That's man, we done with that shit. shit. <laughs> we moved on. No, hey, hood shit ever. It really yeah, is. It's dead, bro. Yeah, hey, done, man, bro. we done with all that, man. Hey, man, I didn't get my chance to play Madden. 
Now we done with that, fam. We, <laughs> we ain't doing that no more. <laughs> I wish I wish that people could see that, the, that there was a lot of visuals going on with that. Because that's what it is. It's just like, hey, bro, that shit dead, bro. Well, and I love I love Eric's response. Is he's just, what's up? Like he he rolls with it yeah. right away. Yeah. Like, of course, he's right. seen he's seen so many things in all these other countries that he's destabilized. This doesn't affect him because he already finished destroying him in ritual combat anyway. So why would he be threatened by Eric coming he, back? He's he also doesn't. He also probably doesn't think that he got some herb. Remember, the herbs got burned up. He's like, so you just some regular dude. You went and got your suit. I can outbox you like a mother. Like, I, you know, he probably doesn't immediately even go to the place where he thinks that he survived. Survived, you know. Wakabi, man, kill this clown. Wakabi, the challenge is not complete. And the other guys in the border tribe are, are going like, what do we do? What will we do? And Wakabi says, Border tribe! Because dude on the immediate left of Wakabi is looking at him like, oh, uh, fam, you realize who that is, right? <laughs> well, and this is, and it's like the last moment we had, we had the first time we see Wakabi, we see Okoye and she says, my love. And the next last one we had is she says, whoa, 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 we've always kept to ourselves. And he goes, no, it's either conquered or the conqueror. And now she says he lives. And Wakabi says, let's go fight. I mean, that's big stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and what does Okoye do? She turns to Killmonger and says, your heart is so full of hatred. You are not fit to be a king. And when she taps that spear. Like, yeah. there's no argument in her group. Like, they're in. Oh, yeah. Which was a general. She's, she's the, the general. general. And I think the other thing that's so sad is they start that fight with Killmonger. When he gets a hold of one of them and slits yeah. their throats, the blood, the rage that comes out of those women having lost one of their own to this outsider, to this demon, like, oh, man. That that hurt my that that part hurt my soul. In that fight, watching that first Dormelage go down, I was like, oh. That, so you know the one he killed is uh she that's Sidel Noel. Okay. So she plays in a lot of other things, but he just said because remember she goes Wakanda. Her last words are Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. That's it's a great it's a great great moment. In fact, I think I mean we all know how Wakanda forever became this cultural phenomena. I think it's that moment in particular that makes that happen. You know, her, the last word she says is Wakanda forever. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, because you got to stop the hotel somehow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that this term that I had never heard before <laughs> is now like really locked into my head. Um, also, I love, by the way, the way the border tribe fight. Like, again, we figured yeah. out this tech. We put these people in these traditional fabrics and these traditional clothes. And oh, no. Those traditional clothes are these incredibly powerful weapons because we see the cloaks kind of become shields. Mm -hmm. um, he uses uh, Black Panther kind of uses his kinetic energy and blasts them all away. He kicks Wakabi and calls out to him, his friend, his old friend. He says, stop this now. And there's a moment of a choice. And Wakabi pulls out this horn and blows it. And here comes the rhinos. Which, by the way, first of all, he just paused. Daniel Kaluuya, you got to get the pose he makes in that moment. The, 
you know, you know what it reminds me of? Whenever you're watching anime or something or like Power Rangers and you're like, you're going to give me time to run off, yell out a chant, do a full transformation. And then like, <laughs> he, goes, he goes, move, runs up on the rock, blows the horn. Y'all, n- ain't nobody know he gonna call the right throw a spear in his ankle something I like what are right. you, you oh, know no. what Wakabi got at the crib like he keep rhino first of all what man keeps rhinos on deck so you already know that's a threat. bro bro like, you need wait a minute if if pit if pit bulls are what black people keep here in America you need a you need a technologically <laughs> version of that you go get a rhino bro it works. <laughs> totally works that checks that totally checks out <laughs> they're, they're angels they are absolute angels but they are loyal and they are protective yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, Shuri isn't so my dog's name is Shuri uh oh. obviously named her after because she's very brilliant so we obviously named her after the most brilliant person in MCU but the most loyal, the most friendly. But if you try and mess with me or her mama, she will f you up. The rhinos are the same way. <laughs> loyal and for you see that because when it, when it's time to rush mama, she like, oh mama, what's up? <sighs> like it's not even like <laughs> like all that stops. You know what I'm saying? So and uh, at the same time, we have in the lab we're setting Ross up to to pilot this plane because he's the one who's going to stop the weapons from leaving Wakanda. Um, and that was one of the important things is Ryan Cooler wanted Ross involved in it. He wanted him making choices. What? You were a great pilot. Don't worry. I'll guide you through it. It's just like riding a hover bike. Well, you guys have hover bikes? Uh, Nakia and Shuri come out. Uh, Shuri's got these cool gauntlety sonic firing things. Nakia is now dressed in red um, as a soldier. Um, and uh, as Adora. As Adora. Yeah, as Adora. Um, and and then there's this moment where Koye and the Dora have like trapped Killmonger with their spears, and you can see somehow they're taking away his power, and they almost have him. And then he uses that same kinetic energy charge to blast them all away. Um, I think it's because vibranium on vibranium. Mm. Remember, all the all the spears are made out of vibranium. The suit is vibranium. Well, and there's something about sonic powers and and his sonics. And yeah. the Sonics destabilized yeah. the suit. Remember, the spears are Sonic cannons. And Nakia is even fighting pretty well against Killmonger. Uh, but then he knocks Nakia away. Shuri's firing at him. He destroys her weapons. And then everything is going wrong. And Shuri is now under threat. And Black Panther manages to hit Killmonger hard. And they go into the mountain and end up on the train tracks that we have seen before with these maglev trains. And, and it's, again, I had to, it's just weird when you watch a movie multiple times and just the things hit you. I'm like, they are literally fighting on an underground railroad. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Whoa. Wait! Yep. God, you didn't know that? I just was like, they're going to really? a... Really? No, you never knew that? Never, yeah. It never fucking got Because I told Roka, I yep. told Roka and Dennis Zing that when we did the Black Panther commentary for Collider. Yep. I get yeah, we're fighting on an underground railroad for the liberation of black people. I yep. never yeah. pieced that to holy shit. Yeah. And I don't know if that was intentional or if that was something that they were thinking about, but it, it hit me so hard looking at it. It, yeah. it, ha- it has to be. And I think the reason why is there's any other, you could have had that same technology kind of knock out the suits a different way. Mm-hmm. You, you intentionally put a train underground yeah. and that was their final battle not out in front of everybody but by themselves under, under oh we my god we were introduced to that MacGuffin when Shuri was telling Ross what right. the sonic stabilizers were yeah. mm-hmm. we just thought you know we didn't know it was the actual MacGuffin to tell you later this is going to be the key to defeating 
Killmonger. By the way, it's a huge set. It's a six, 60 feet of tracks. These, these uh, sonic stabilizers are 14 feet tall, each of them. This is a big, huge set. Um, and again, even though his suit is falling apart, Killmonger never has a moment of doubt. I don't need a suit to kill you. The reign is over. You set up here safe and protected. You want to see us become just like the people you hate so much. Divide and conquer the land of states. No, I learned from my enemies. Beat them at their own game. You have become them. I, you know, this is the kind of scene I love where we have two people battling and expressing their philosophical differences before they do it. <laughs> it's like totally my thing. I want to do a schmodown where we do that the whole time, just expressing philosophical differences in between. <laughs> well, that, that's the one you'll get me on the schmodown for. <laughs> Paul um, Newman, and also the geopolitical shit going on. <laughs> you will destroy the world. Wakanda included. The world took everything away from me. Everything I ever loved. But I'm going to make sure we're even. I'm going to track down anyone who would even think about being loyal to you. And I'm going to put their ass in the dirt right next to Zuri. Ah! Okoye and the women with their, their spears and the border tribe is moving in. And I just wanted to say something that I just suddenly occurred to me as I was looking at it again, is that... We have the women who are, their weapon is the spear. And the border tribe, the men, their weapon is the shield. And I don't want to get, make too strong a point of it, but that is reversing the classic gender representation mm-hmm. and dynamics right. of, of women Good. being the protectors and men being the aggressors. And this is, we're actually seeing the opposite happen here, which Absolutely. I think is really cool. And, but just as the moment we are about to lose, what do we hear? Surrender now! You have three seconds to lay down your weapon. One, two. Is the Jabari chant. Witness the might of the Jabari. First time. And that moment that that woman comes in and takes someone out, you guys have talked about it multiple times leading up to here. And I wanted to say something about it, which is that, uh, so this movie is edited by Michael Shar and Debbie Berman. And uh, what Ryan Coogler says is he says he always wants to have both a male and a female editing his films because he wants different perspectives. And here's what he says. The women in the Jabari tribe were not in the shoot. They were not in the original shoot. And Debbie Berman, one of the editors, said it feels weird that there are no women represented, particularly when they're taking on Okoye or, or, or when they're supporting Okoye. And so it's her idea and they go into a reshoot and bring in some women Jabari fighters to have this moment. And this moment wow. doesn't exist if Kugler doesn't decide he wants a man and a oh, woman wow. editing his film. But that's, if you ever needed proof of why diversity matters and, and whatnot, this is where it kicks in. Because what all that did was enhance the story. It didn't take away from any of the men that were in that point or anything like that. It just made it make more sense. It kept it well-rounded, like fire, absolute fire. And, and then one of the things that's happening again with Ross is he's in this battle, and we get to this point where, oh, his life is going to be on the line. He gets knocked out, and, it's, and he goes back in, willing to sacrifice his own life to stop the weapons from going out into the world. Last integrity is at 50%. Put me back in. And now you're watching Killmonger and Black Panther fight, and and it's like, these are two brothers separated by centuries of pain fighting against each other. This is it for you, cousin. 
And then we got to have our badass end of the fight. The, 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 the blade goes up in the air. There's a big move as the train goes by, and T'Challa catches it at the last moment. And this, by the way, I think is the spear that Killmonger broke in their battle. That he uh, stabbed him with. Right now stabs him with, I think. Yeah. It is. Um, it's the exact same one. It's a really, really cool move. And then we have this moment where he knows, Killmonger knows that he's dying. My pop said Wakanda was the most beautiful thing you ever seen. He promised he was going to show it to me one day. You believe that? Kid from Oakland running around believing in fairy tales. And again, we get to this idea of he was raised with a fairy tale that he discovered was true. And then he became the king of the magical kingdom that was the fairy tale for him as a kid. And now he's going to die. You know, that's a crazy story. It's a wild one. And my understanding is this last scene is Chadwick Boseman's idea. Yes, that it is. He was originally going to die on the tracks. And it was Chadwick's idea. It's like, no, that's not what can't be the right final moment for Eric. And they go up and they sit on the side of the cliff and they look out at the sunset. Maybe we can still heal you. Why? So you can just lock me up. Nah, nah. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage. Mm. And that was the second moment that no matter when I watch this movie, I always cry. Yeah. Because... Um, Talk about something else ringing true. I mean, obviously, everything that have, that went down with slavery, but you even look with everything that we're dealing with right now. Um, it, it is it is a very poignant quote that that is what pushes a lot of black people to continue to you know make declarations that Black Lives Matter and to fight for our equality. You're you're putting in that you're putting in that sacrifice because you can't live like this anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was, it hits me every single time. Well, I mean, think about so many of the, you know, nonviolent movements where people walked out knowing that they could die, yep. you know, whether it's standing on the bridge at Selma or, you know, Martin Luther King being stabbed or, yep. you know, Malcolm X knowing that he's about mm-hmm. to be assassinated at any moment. And all of them kept going, yep. Yep. you know, I, I, I think. It's, it's really funny. I, I think it's an amazing moment. I think it's really powerful. And I'm just going to say something totally weird, which is I, I really wish that Killmonger hadn't died. Like, yeah. I just like, just as a comic book fan, it's yeah. like this, you just introduced this unbelievable villain. Like, don't get rid of him. You know, I, my, I, I, it's not to say that you couldn't do similar to Loki and continue to, to yeah. build that out. But I think that there is something so be- beautiful and poetic in the way that a lot of like British shows, for example, don't go in for second and third seasons. You get right, through right. six to eight episodes and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. While I wouldn't be opposed to maybe Killmonger coming back, though you, now you're getting a campy comic book reasoning as to how he survived yeah. this. I like the idea that if we didn't ever see this character again, that this was the beautiful moment we got to see this star come oh. in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it just depends. Um, I mean, and it's also brought into like a much more complicated situation with Chadwick Boseman's passing, you know, because because I mean, and we'll get to it, I think, at the end is like, where are we going to go? 
It's after, now again, the fourth time, T'Challa enters the throne room. Um, And Umbaku and Nakia are now in the council, which I think is a a really subtle but great point. Yep. Um, And now we cut back to just the city of Wakanda, and there is Nakia, uh, and T'Challa is thanking her. You've saved me. You've saved my family. Oh, nation. There's nothing to thank me for. It is our duty to... It was my duty to fight for what I love. And then he gives her a kiss. <laughs> and I love this. Again, we get back to sort of the sweet, like, little romantic comedy stuff. He's like, you can't blame me. I almost died. <laughs> I know that's right. That's, I mean, that's the move right there. You can't yeah. blame me. I, girl, I was almost dead. Yeah, almost dead. I need to get this. this. Um, you gotta shoot your shot, man. And then she gives him the big kiss back. It's great. Uh, and now we're back in Oakland. Um, and uh, we're watching that pickup game. And there is T'Challa and Shuri. And now we hear what the plan is. I bought this building. And that's a building. And that one over there. This will be the first Wakanda International Outreach Center. Now Kia will oversee the social outreach. You will spearhead the science and information exchange. Oh, wait, that's not, that's, that's not even, that's not even the best line. The best line is when you told me you would take me to a, to California for the first time, I thought you would take me to Coachella or at least Disneyland. <laughs> like, right. Uh, <laughs> and, and then he touches his, you know, necklace and there's the ship. Yeah. And I love the parallel with the kids on the basketball court now actually seeing the ship. And you said that a line before. Yo, it's like, it's a Bugatti spaceship. <laughs> Yo, you think we could break it down and sell it? You know, that, well, that was the realest thing. That's the realest know. shit I've ever heard. <laughs> you think you could break yep. it down and sell it? <laughs> hey, yo, this yours? No answer. And he says, Who are you? Again, who are you? It's a key theme throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm T'Challa, son of T'Chaka, Wakanda, <laughs> Black Panther. It's rumored that little kid is Eli Bradley, Elijah Bradley, mm. who is the Patriot in Marvel Comics. It's rumored. Oh, wow. Oh. It's that. rumored that's who he is because remember it's easy now to have that rumor given the fact they've yeah. retconned is or they say it was always planned. The little kid Iron Man two is Peter yeah. Parker. My watching it with my son who's nine, he said, "Oh no, that's Killmonger. They brought him back to life somehow." <laughs> so that's what my nine year old. I mean, I don't even think your nine year old is that wrong. You're re, you're resetting it now. You yeah. you've reset the timeline. Like, screw it. We just traveled through time to, to you know stop Thanos. I, I could believe it somehow. Clone, um, you know, sure he cloned him. Maybe I don't know. with the multiverse of madness, <laughs> everything's in play, man. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we get our first post credit sequence at the United Nations, and it's the moment you guys talked about. T'Challa standing saying. We're going to open up the world. We're going to share our resources and technology. And some European guy goes, what could Wakanda share with us? Like, a bunch what of farmers. I- <laughs> oh, he was like, oh, oh, bitch, you don't. Because the child's face is, oh, bitch, you don't know. Well, then, well the, 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 the smile, just the smirk. And is this it? what I'm trying to remember what plays after that? Because did all the stars play before this post credit scene? Or uh, after. Yeah, play, yes. they played before. before. Yes. They played before because they do the the general cast uh, and Kevin Feige and all that. Then the general. So then afterwards, it it plays the 
the ritual the... theme, I think they're like the da 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 T'Challa. Which I thought was a pretty dope song to go into after that, because it is kind of implying, like, let me tell you a story, you know? Like, let, and like yeah. that, that to me, it almost kind of felt like mm-hmm. that. It's like, let me show you our world. Kind oh, of. totally. Yeah. And then our other post credit scene is where we go see uh, Bucky. Um, the White which Wolf. Is, which is fine. Yeah. As, <laughs> as post credit scenes go, it's not my most interesting one. I don't have to say that this was a huge hit. Before it was released, it apparently was the most tweeted about film of the year. Wow. Um, by mid-March, it was the most tweeted about film ever, is what I've read. <laughs> um, wow. uh, it had the biggest advertising budget uh, and line of merchandise for any Marvel movie that wasn't a sequel. The uh, budget is estimated at $150 million. Here was an interesting thing I saw. In Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, they had shut down all movie theaters for 30 years. This is the first film that showed in Saudi Arabia I after 30 minutes. Wow. I heard about yeah. that, which is crazy, man. $1.3 billion. <laughs> Ninth highest grossing film of all time. I don't know if that's still true, but it was. Hmm. Um, won the NAACP Image Award, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and of course, seven be- nominations, including Best Picture, Song, Editing, Sound Mixing, and it won for Costumes, Totally Deservedly So, Score, and Production Design, 100% due to, uh, 1,000% due to uh, Infinity War, Endgame, uh, the most recent Lion King. Yeah. It has been bumped from 9 to 12. Still. Still. That's still crazy. Yeah. It is the first superhero movie to win a best to have a best picture nomination. And I mean, I, I, I don't know what we can say. Well, I, let me say that differently. I don't know what I can add to what the cultural importance of this film is. I will defer uh, to our guests, but it's huge. I mean, all that, all that needs to be said is look at the, look at the M'Baku challenge. Look at, look at people yelling Wakanda forever everywhere. Look at the, mm-hmm. look at the amount of little kids, mainly black kids, but they're white kids too, that were putting on Black Panther masks and, and were excited to be Black Panther. Look at the fact that like you had one of the, the greatest hip hop artists of all time and Kendrick Lamar put together an entire, like an old school like legit soundtrack because nobody really puts mm-hmm. soundtracks together anymore for for films. But an old school soundtrack that was essentially it, it went platinum and it was I if I'm not mistaken I think the Black Panther soundtrack was nominated for a Grammy. I don't think it won, but it was nominated. To talk about all of that, let alone to be the first MCU film to win an Oscar in costume design and sound soundtrack. Design. Um, sound I think it was either sound design or scoring something like that. Um, Yes, we have had black superheroes before, but none of them even come close to this from the standpoint of like, you took the blackness of both the hero and the villain, Mm -hmm. you made it the central part of the story while still connecting to the larger world at large, and that's including that we're talking about the MCU here. And you just, you brought all of that style and flair that you would hope out of that and you and you're it's being helmed by this young black director who he he himself is is a phenomenon and like you look at what he did with fruitville and and um with creed and whatnot it was just 
this was the it, to me it felt just as culturally significant as when Barack Obama won the presidency as far as like this was all of the right things coming together at the right time and look what came of it yeah um and also served as the bastion and the foundation for many things like it to happen after the fact yeah if there's no black panther you get no shang chi you get oh, no yeah. miss marvel pushed forward uh, also, to answer your question, Winston, it was nominated for two Grammys. It was nominated for Best Album, and it was nominated for Score Soundtrack for Visual Media. Score Soundtrack, right, 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 right. It right. won for that. But yeah, if you don't have this movie, you you for sure are not getting a Shang-Chi. You're not getting Shang-Chi. You're getting Shang-Chi introduced I, in a movie, I, but you're not getting a whole Shang-Chi with the level of production, with an all, with a predominantly like almost all Asian American cast and directors and stuff like that to behind it. You're not getting that if Black Panther doesn't happen. Black Panther also, and I will always stand behind this. Black Panther was the first superhero movie that got a generation of older people who would never want to see, go see any other comic book movies to get up and go to the theater to watch a comic I book even, movie. I even make the argument, honestly, like even though it came out the same year, I think that you don't even have the success you see... Uh, Fully of crazy rich Asians, mm-hmm. if if not for the like the like because then all of a sudden the marketing for crazy rich Asians, which was lightly there, got amped up because they were like, wait, 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 wait. You mean they're gonna roll out to okay, let's let's get it popping. And like not only was that majorly successful, yep. they're already planning the second and third films like that. I know the second was in production pre-COVID. Um, you know what I'm saying? So like you you have set you have set a domino effect of of executives looking at this at Hollywood looking at this and going, we can do something outside of whatever is considered the, the standard norm uh, as far as like the, just the straight white male protagonist and it can bring dividends. Yep. I even would argue that this is the other thing that even though uh, Spider-Verse did not kill at the box office, unfortunately, I think that that, that reinvigorized you to double down on miles and really tell this story properly because of that, you know, this, this just, opened so many doors but none of this would have not none of this would have been possible if there wasn't if they didn't tap into a hidden desire to see this amongst the public there have been decades of great black films that have not exploded onto the scene at this level with this kind of response with this kind of attention with this kind of work Kugler directed a fantastic film, a Best Picture nominee, mm-hmm. but the and released it at a time when the public was finally ready for it. It had come around, and everything that has exploded off of that isn't just because these films are good. Because Crazy Rich Agents is not that good a film, in my opinion. But the overwhelming box office, the overwhelming draw attention, the drive now to be more, and then we get you attach the BL the BLM movement, all of that to be more inclusive, to be more to look at. Uh, stories of color. Now you're seeing in the last few months, there are so many people of color in these commercials that were never there before. So many people of color showing up in all things, and it's all of it is because the public has finally crossed that line once and for all, and they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. We just want to see good stuff. I don't care about the color. I don't care about this overall. I don't want to say like all across the board, but overall, that's the vibe. And Black Panther hit at the right time, and people were finally ready to come and and patronize a film like this in large numbers and as jay said multiple generations who maybe have never seen a marvel movie came to see this movie you know we talked about that on movie talk a number of times jay how this was going to appeal across all generations and all countries 
uh, seeing black people from numerous countries coming out to see Marvel films they probably wouldn't a Marvel film they wouldn't have seen before. So just it was at the right time because the public finally was ready for it and it exploded like crazy and everything has stemmed from it since. So yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think we can underestimate in any way the cultural influence of this film. And there was just one thing that occurred to me, like you mentioned the power of 2008 with Barack Obama mm-hmm. being elected president. Yeah. There was a, there, I'm sure you've seen there are all the studies in which African-Americans score 10 to 15% lower on standardized tests. Um, and that a lot of that can be explained by cultural bias within the testing or by uh, problems within our education system, all of which are real. But an interesting statistic that not a lot of people have seen is right after Obama was elected, that difference in test results almost went away entirely. Yeah. And so, and and so, you know, and that really changed, there's a great book called uh, Whistling Vivaldi, which is all about this and all about issues of inclusion and all about affirmative action and all that kind of stuff and how it works. But, but one of the big things is like, I've spent my whole life as a, as a white guy and even as a Jewish guy, Hmm. seeing positive representations of myself everywhere. So the limitations that were created with my own spirit are not being reinforced by the media. But the media is reinforcing negative uh, representations constantly everywhere. And that that has a cumulative effect that you can see even in something which seems as cut and dry as test results. And so now you place that not only is this hero the, you know, uh, a man with dark skin, but the world that he comes from is way beyond our world. The smartest person in that world, the most technologically advanced scientist is this 17-year-old woman with dark skin and it's like well what does that say like i i mean again i'm a white dude but i can just imagine the doors that that opens up for so many people around the world yeah yeah um i i think i have to ask this question which is uh you know where are we going to go from here what do you guys think without chadwick boseman what happens next (sighs) Again, I think he keeps the. I think the legacy stays. I, I, I stand stand by that. I think you, what you have to do, T'Challa's disappeared somehow between the events of Endgame and when Black Panther two happens. Shuri takes up the mantle as she does in the comics, and as should be the thing. And by the end of Black Panther two, you announce that T'Challa's been found, and this is post the snap and everything, there's a new T'Challa. And then you announce who's been cast. This way you keep the legacy rolling. People keep starting to say, no, don't bring any T'Challa back. You've got to have T'Challa in his story because the way you go further, if you're going a various level of the Avengers, if you go the Cabal, you go different MCU, where the way comics go. But the legacy, what that man has created, being Chadwick Boseman, will never be taken away. You just you can't stop the trained for lack of a better word mm-hmm. you just gonna take my answer you just gonna take weeks of me saying this exact thing and you just gonna take my answer i mean yeah what do you mean to <laughs> take your answer i've been saying the same thing yeah. anyway I'm, I'm, <laughs> my point is I, I i i agree i think you i think the biggest thing that i would love to see other than the fact that you have the actual evidence of it happening in the comics you you hand the mantle over to shuri uh, you do this for two reasons. The first is, again, it's comic true, like you said, that gives you time to allow the legacy to fully be set. So by the time you get to Black Panther 3, when you decide you want to cast somebody else, it doesn't feel like you just kind of said, screw it and pretended like Chadwick didn't happen. You could do any number of ways. But think about everything 
that Barack did for little black kids, especially little black boys. It did it for all black kids, but especially for little black boys. What T'Challa did for little, again, for black kids, but again, for little black boys, give little black girls that same moment. Let Shuri, who they already, in Okoye, they were already looking at them and going, wow, they're brilliant. Let Shuri take that mantle for, for a movie while you so give that time for T'Challa mm -hmm. uh, to be recognized by Chadwick. Again, you can find him in a post credit scene and then you can come back and, you know, introduce your new actor. Um, you're giving that same exact experience. And I think it's so important. It's the same way that so many little black girls, when they see Kamala, uh, become this nominee, mm -hmm. same thing. You are, you are triggering things where all of a sudden kids can go that, that look and go, that's me. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be such a powerful thing to do for this movie. Mm -hmm. All things considered. Here's what I would do. And of course I'm not going to get to do that. I would make it the three women. I, I would make this a triumvirate mm -hmm. is that Shuri, Okoye and Nakia rule Wakanda as a, as as a panel is that you say is that you end tradition because and Shuri is the scientist Nakia is the spy Okoye the warrior like the three of them together are greater than T'Challa you know what I mean mm -hmm. that would be the direction that I would take the franchise I've always I've been on the record that you revive Killmonger and you bring him back after having had this experience and he becomes uh, the Black Panther um, I understand the Shuri point because that's what happens in the comics but I also think Shuri's being set up to be Tony Stark. And so there's a bigger thing that she has to do beyond just being the king of Wakanda. She has to step into this into these shoes to be worried about the world. And I, I would like to see her take a bigger role than just being Black Panther. Um, and it's a big role, Black Panther. I just would like to I'd like the path they were on with her to have her be even bigger, a bigger part of the overall thing that's happening, you know? Well, I, I, I get you. I guess the only thing is though, that that's a split because it's, she, she's taken up to become the smartest person. And they I think Feige even said it for yeah. the MCU. She is the smartest person in the yeah. MCU, but Peter is being set up to be Tony Stark. Only if they keep him. When the remember that runs out right. after the next movie with Sony, that fair. deal with Sony runs out. That's, that's fair. You know that's what I, that's why I think that yeah, it would have been set up for him to be. I think he's set up to be the next Iron Man, not the next Tony Stark. I think fair. there's a difference. Sure, he's going to create weapons and create things that'll protect the world, and I think that's where she's got a bigger role to play. But if they make her Black Panther too, that'd be fine with me. Absolutely, I just want to see. Or have a bigger role, you know. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, I think more so. I think Killmonger comes back in the ancestral plane. That's one of the things mm. I think that I think mm. you can see him do that. I That'd be that. cool. I see that. I see that. Um, well, fortunately, we have someone like Ryan Coogler, hopefully, who is still going to be in charge of this, and he is a smart guy. Um, gentlemen, this has been an epic journey through the world of Black Panther and Wakanda. I would love to ask for your final thoughts on this film. I I would say that. The reason why this movie kind of unequivocally, even though you could make, you could potentially make the argument that there's, you know, slightly better films in the MCU. People argue Winter Soldier, uh, for, for example. Mm. Uh, some people say Infinity War. Why Black Panther has never shook from my number one uh, over over eleven years and twenty two films has been not only from as we explored, we did this deep dive. Mm -hmm how deep this goes like how you found a way to tell a comic book story 
but you put so much symbolism and addressed so many issues and did such a deep dive on character psychology and and the world at large. I think this is one of the few movies that no matter what will stand the test of time. Um, and I feel honored that I got to be here when this all happened. And I'll know the same way that people felt about, you know, finding out that Darth Vader is, you know, Anakin Skywalker and, and all Wait, that. Wait, what? Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, that, or that Bruce Willis was dead at the Sixth Sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wait, yeah, oh, what? what? I'll just go, I'm just going off, y'all. Go, going go off. get them all. I'm going off. Um, I, I'm just saying, like, we all, I feel like, will remember where we were when we saw this for the first time and everything that surrounded it. And, and it's, this is, this to me is probably the, the movie that will define my generation. I feel like, Mm. and maybe even the, the, some of those kids in the generation right behind us too. Mm. Jay, what do you think? This movie has changed the landscape of what we've seen with not just superhero films, but I think movies in general, because it's shown now that there is this audience that people have been saying for you, the audience has been saying for years, and now the industry has no choice but to listen. We were always relegated to, oh, you got black sitcoms, or oh, you get this little cheesy little black movie here or there, little black rom-com or something like that. But on a, on a blockbuster level, this is proven that black people will show up and show out mm-hmm. and spend money for 13 weeks. This movie remained number one at the box office. Nothing has broken that record. And for a while, nothing will. So this movie has changed. It's caused a paradigm shift in the way studios are going to have to market and reach out communities. It's also touched, like you said, a generation. It's brought kids of all colors being a character that you never thought their parents would be okay with them being. And they embrace it. This movie just, it, it touched me so much. And again, I remember when I first saw it, I cried and and I, I think about it now and it's just, it was just amazing. It still is phenomenal. And I still will revisit this movie and the loss of Chadwick Boseman hurts a lot because that's the character that, that's the man that brought the character we love to life. And now he's no longer here. So now you just have to hope that this legacy is carried on and, and that he is pleased with what happens. Yeah. I think this movie is one of those movies that comes along in a genre that will you immediately know will stand the test of time and will be a classic that people turn to and refer to when they talk about the best of a genre. And I know some people want to argue back and forth whether the superhero films are a genre. I think they are. You can agree or disagree. Uh, it's your opinion. But my opinion is they are. And this is one of those ones we will be talking about for 100 years or more after it's over. People will go back to this movie. This will end up on TCM in at some point down the road as one of these classic films and the best of this time of superhero films, uh, not only for what it symbolized, but also because of it being a cultural touchstone, it making a billion dollars, having incredible actors delivering fantastic performances throughout, and being the crown jewel at this point of one of the um, most talented up-and-coming directors 
that we've got uh, in our world. Sometimes Kugler gets a little overshadowed by this film or by Chadwick or by Michael B. Jordan. Don't forget that Kugler was the one that put this whole thing together and guided this ship. And I think he gives us a taste of what is going to come from him uh, further and further into uh, his career. He is the next Coppola, the next Scorsese, the next Spielberg, what have you. He is the next. Or he is Ryan Coogler, and someone coming along will be the next Ryan Coogler. He will live in that world, uh, I think, with his career as it goes along. And this film will be one of those ones people talk about, like they talk about Taxi Driver, or they talk about uh, The Godfather, or they talk about this as one of these crown jewels early on in the career of a great filmmaker. Um, um, and beyond that, I can't speak to the uh, too deeply to the cultural stuff other than what I see in my friends like Jay and Winston, and I see how much it moved them, and I talk to other uh, of my black friends and how it moved them and how it touched them and how that spoke to them. And we're doing this today. We're finishing up recording it today when this big casting news was released that Iman Vellani will now be the new Miss Marvel. Or, uh, uh, no, she will yeah, take, just came out. Just came out. She will step in and now we'll be representing her race, representing this uh, this uh, uh, character and seeing yet again in the Marvel Universe, this could be yet another example of this uh, smart, brilliant casting that will once again feel, uh, be a source of pride for a lot of Indian actors uh, and what have you with this character. So I'm those are those things that make me excited. It, it represents that beginning and seeing everything that's come from Black Panther uh, automatically puts it into uh, a great class of films uh, that will not be forgotten anytime soon by multiple generations. So I've been thinking about this quite a bit. When I was a kid, I grew up reading comics. I learned how to read reading comics. And I'm old enough to have belonged to a generation when we were told that comics would rot our brains. And our, if our teachers saw that we had a comic book in our backpack, they would take that away. And I remember from very little, five, six, seven, eight, saying, no, no, there's something important here. In the same way that I read and reread stories of King Arthur, the same way that I read and reread Greek mythology, and that I was like, these stories mean something. They're about something. And of course, the grown-ups at the time said, no, these are just a bunch of silly stories with people with big muscles and costumes that have ridiculous action sequences. And of course, all of that was true. <laughs> but deep down, I kept saying, no, there's something important. And if you watch this film, does it have bright colors and people in costumes and big action sequences and big muscles? Yeah, it totally has all those things. But the thing that I knew when I was a kid and the thing that I felt so strongly watching this movie is that you can satisfy all that superhero action adventure stuff and be about something. And I think what we've shown in our incredibly long analysis of this film is that there's so much more here. If you want to go and just have a thrilling ride, you can have it. But if you want to dig deeper and learn a little bit more, there's something else here. And the thing is, is even as a white guy and even someone who's not part of this community, it's transformed me and the way that I see it. And the thing is, is that even if it's fictional, Wakanda now exists. Even if it's fictional, T'Challa exists and Shuri exists and Okoye and Nakia, these characters have become real. And when my kid wanted to be Black Panther and wears his Black Panther onesie everywhere, a white, blonde-haired kid, all he saw was the mythology that he wanted to be a part of. Mm. He didn't see anything else. And that is so profound to me. And the thing is, 
there are all sorts of great movies that are indie films and dark films and series films and only a superhero film, only mythology can do this. You can't do it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm so happy that we spent our time going through this. I'm really unhappy about the reason. Yeah. And it was so tragic and painful to discover that he had died, particularly when he had, I think, so much more to give us. Um, so that's what we think of Black Panther. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. Uh, please visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for The Cinephiles, C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. You can subscribe to the show on, on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. Please leave reviews on iTunes. They're really important to the show. Leave your comments on YouTube. If you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash the cinephiles. And you can uh, buy Black Panther along with every other movie we've ever reviewed at cinephiles.net. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at cine underscore files on Instagram at the cinephiles podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at SR Morris and on Instagram at SR Morris one. John, how about you? You can always find me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget the uh, uh, YouTube channel that I have, youtube.com slash John Roca says. And I do want to clarify for anyone who was listening to this, she is Pakistani Muslim, not Indian. I apologize for Miss Marva Kamala Khan. Please uh, forgive me for making that mistake there in that moment. But yes, that is the situation. So follow me there for all the stuff we do, uh, youtube.com slash John Roca says. And of course, the top 10 uh, podcast and the Geek Buddies podcasts as well. Winston, if people wanted to reach you on the internet, how would they do so? Yeah, uh, you can find me at the Swaggy Blur, T-H-E-S-W-A-G-G-Y-B-L-E-R-D. That's on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, I do a number of things uh, throughout. I'm on uh, SCN Live. Uh, I have a show with the Shimoda Entertainment Network as well called the Inner Geekdom Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific. And we do deep dives into comic books you know fantasy all that kind of stuff all the stuff that's covered in the inner geekdom section of the schmodown i do that there i also do a show uh, tuesdays and thursdays with this gentleman below me uh which i guess you can't see that uh jay washington called blurreds in the hood where we essentially take a blurred point of view on all the things pop culture uh music sports all that good stuff so definitely check that out i do game time sports with john as well on monday yeah. mondays uh, and then I have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Swaggy Blurred. Come, come check it out, man. We play retro games on Thursdays and listen to old school hip hop. And then we play Jackbox with the fans on Sundays. So <laughs> a lot of good stuff, a lot of ways to find me. Come, come hang out. Jay, how about you? How would people find you? Uh, I'm real basic. Easy. <laughs> I mean, Twitter and Instagram and Mr. Jay Washington. Uh, you can actually check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Washington 80 Winston already said it. I'm on Blurred to the Hood with him Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mondays, I'm with John Roca on Game Time. Oh, yeah. I also have the Mads Podcast, so I get you caught up on all the things happening in the Marvel and DC live action and cinematic universe. It is Barbershop Talk for Nerds. So come on in the convo. And uh, yeah, and uh, if you are checking out Peacock, or any replays, I was on the reboot season premiere of The Weakest Link, and uh, I'm upset. So that's the thing. thing. (laughs) Um, I lost $63,000, so I'm upset. Spoiler alert. Oh, come on. The episode's been out for a day, okay? (laughs) True, 24. Uh, Jay, Winston, it's been incredible having you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you you for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, I think that's it for this week. We will see you next time for another great film on The Cinephiles. 